Amen. Thank you for singing, for praying. Go ahead and grab a seat. And if you do have um, a copy of the scriptures with you, you'd be invited to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 6. Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. The New Testament begins with um, the books Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call those gospel accounts, accounts of the life of Christ, his good news that he gives to us. Thank you, Tom, by the way, for leading us um, in music. That was, that was so nice. It's just so nice to be back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we have been working through all summer the book of Acts as a church. Now, this is the first time, the second time that we've gathered together. Um, we have been uh, emailing or uh, mail mailing uh, these home liturgy guides, these actual documents that have the prayers, that have scriptures to read, that have little blog versions of sermons. Um, we've been sending those out all this entire four months that we've been away. Pastor Cassie has done a great job at emailing Reachway Kids materials as well. Um, starting today, a part of either the home liturgy guide that we send out still now to anyone who hasn't gathered for whatever reason, um, or at the end of the gathering for those who are going to gather in person, of course today that's you, um, we're going to be equipping you all with weekly reflections when I say weekly reflections, I mean a couple of questions to consider on Sunday night, Monday morning, and then a couple of more questions to consider Friday night, Saturday, whatever else. We're actually going to provide space at the end of our physical gatherings for us to begin reflecting. Um, and on those documents, you'll see at the end of our gathering, are the scriptures that we will be reading that whoever is preaching will be preaching on next Sunday. So starting, essentially, next week, you can have the opportunity to already have the scriptures flowing in your mind as you gather here, as you prepare to hear someone talk about it, and as you uh, prepare to um, uh, be exposed to those along with the rest of your church family. It would have been really nice if we provided that last week because <laughs> my sermon is on two full chapters of Scripture. So for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all of Acts chapter 6 and 7. But if you do have those Scriptures before you, I will be giving some references. And once again, you will be exposed to next week's Scriptures in 30 minutes. And you can engage with those throughout the rest of the week. Hopefully all of that makes sense. A lot of mumbo-jumbo there. Um, but, anywho, Acts chapter 6 and 7. Uh, within these few chapters, we are given insights into the call, ministry, trial, and wrongful death of a man named Stephen. While two chapters may not seem like a lot of time to devote to the whole life of a single character, when we consider genealogical texts that cover generations in a matter of sentences, we realize that the life of Stephen has been given a considerable amount of time and space in our scriptures. An example of one of those genealogical texts is Genesis chapter 5, 
which spans the family tree from Adam to Noah in a matter of paragraphs. We're talking hundreds of years, different people, people we don't know the stories of in a matter of paragraphs. For us to get two full chapters of one person named Stephen, we should pause and we should really consider the arc of his life. So let us do that. As I consider the picture that we are given into the life of Stephen, a question that I ask is this, how does someone go from the food pantry director in chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, to a prisoner in chapter 6, verses 8 through 12, and then from victim of an unjust murder in chapter 7, verses 54 through 60. How do you go from food pantry director to killed? And not only how does that happen, but what are we supposed to learn from that? (laughs) To that question, I offer a following answer. How one responds to the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit of God in their lives determines both their own being in the world and their outlook on actions towards the world around them. How someone responds to the presence of the Spirit in their own life determines not only their own actions, but how they respond to the things happening in the world around them. This suggested answer plays itself out in two particular ways in this passage, the first of which being in the life of Stephen. We read that Stephen was uniquely selected by the apostles for the ministry of food distribution. Why? Because he had experience distributing food? No. (laughs) It's because he was known to be full of the Spirit. How simple and yet profound is that? You want to get involved in ministry? Don't need experience, but are you allowing the Holy Spirit to be present in your life? And it was by that same Spirit that he performed great wonders and signs among the people. We read about this in chapter 6, verses 3, 5, and 8. For Stephen, his allowance of the Spirit of God to work in his life and refine his life eventually marked him as someone full of wisdom and fit for ministry to God's people. And I would suggest that the presence of the Spirit of God in his life gave him a unique perspective on the world around him, which would eventually shape his being in the world as someone who would be able to shine a great light before many people. Up until the exact moment of his death, when he quotes Christ on the cross, When Stephen is being stoned, he said, forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing. I would suggest 
that he was able to show such grace and forgiveness and mercy while being stoned, not because he had memorized the quote, but because the Holy Spirit was so profound in his life that he was able to respond to the events around him, the event of rocks being thrown at him. He was able to respond in a Christ-like way. How how one responds to the presence of the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives determines their own being in the world, and it determines their actions and outlook toward the world around them. That plays out, secondly, in the synagogue members, the Sanhedrin, the high priests, who we eventually learn after Stephen's sermon, so to speak, in Acts chapter 7, that these people have joined in with their ancestors on remaining a stiff-necked people who, in chapter 7, verse 51, quote, always resist the Holy Spirit. The moments before Stephen is killed, he goes to the people who wrongfully arrested him and says, you are not any different than your ancestors. Your neck remains stiff. You have always resisted the Holy Spirit. Their rejection of what the Spirit of God was doing in and through the life of Stephen and what the Spirit did through prophets in generations past resulted in their aggression towards him and their eventual being in the world that was marked by manipulation, slander, and fatal violence. As we consider the arc of Scripture, one thing we realize is that God's activity in the world frequently brings about new things that bend towards the redemption of and justice for those who have been turned back on and mistreated. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, God declares through the prophet Isaiah, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness. I am making streams in the wasteland. And Jesus, the Son of God, the incarnate presence of love, of forgiveness, of mercy, of a bend towards justice, himself in Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. When God's Spirit is at work, God's Spirit is breaking up the dry ground in the desert, and it's seeking out those who have been lost by people, by systems. And that list goes on. Additionally, at the same time and within that same arc... There are those who, for a variety of reasons, reject and reject and reject the new thing that God is doing. 
a type of rejection that often manifests itself in violence and aggressive actions against the ones that are ushering in the new thing that God is doing. Stephen exposes that exact fact in his message to the Sanhedrin. We read it in Acts chapter 7, verses 52 and 53. Stephen says, Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels, and yet you did not keep it. In closing, I ask, does one desire to do great things for God and the kingdom here on earth? If so, be encouraged and know that your quest does not need to end with the acquisition of a talent or a skill. But your quest needs to end, and when it ends, it really only begins when you find the God that freely gives of its empowering, transforming, and refining spirit. That spirit, coupled with your willingness, will result in what Jesus says are things that were greater than the ones that he did. Your openness to the Spirit and your willingness to do things that are both small and big in your eyes, all of them are so great for the kingdom. I ask, does one desire to see God's Spirit blow like a new and fresh wind in this world? If so, become comfortable with the fact that God's Spirit does not blow afresh for the further elevation of the proud and the mighty and the powerful. But when His Spirit blows afresh, it blows to elevate the lowly, the neglected, and the downtrodden. Furthermore, Know that the Spirit is likely at work in the world around you today. Know that. Know that it is working around you in some way, shape, or form, but that it might not be first flowing through you. And that is okay, and there is still time for you to jump in the river of justice that has a rising tide and a speeding current. That is to say, you might see some things that are happening in the world around you, and they might not make sense to you. And so our instinct is to pull back, reject, and say that there's no way that that is from God. But I will say this, if the new thing that's happening in the world around you that you don't quite have the opportunity and ability to understand right now is bending towards the marginalized, (laughs) 
if the new thing that's happening in the world around you that you quite do not understand is happening for the neglected, for the abused, giving a voice to the voiceless, it is likely a movement somehow, some way, of the Holy Spirit. And just because it wasn't our idea and just because we don't agree with it doesn't mean it's not the Holy Spirit because guess what? I'm not the Holy Spirit. And guess what? You're not the Holy Spirit. I ask one final question. It's the most important one. Are you right now the one who feels neglected and mistreated? Are you and your people the ones who both presently, recently, and historically been the sinned against? Are you at a low point? Are you scraping the bottom of your barrel? Please hold on. Be still. Know that the God of the universe sees you. Know that the God of the universe loves you. Know that the God of the universe is working things out for your good. Working things out through people you don't agree with working things out through strategies that you have never thought of, working things out in ways that you cannot even comprehend or imagine. If you're at the bottom, hold on. Please, please keep holding on because God's eyes are locked on you. So praise be to God. For the Spirit and the Spirit's activity amongst us. Praise be to God for the Spirit's transformative, redemptive, and sanctifying work, making us more into the image of Christ. Praise be to God for the Spirit and our response to the Spirit means everything. It means everything for you. It means everything for your household. It means everything for your neighbor. It means everything for this world. Amen.